Hello, this is Deo Moano with Persevere to Excel podcast. I am super, super excited to kick off my podcast for fall of 2020. It's been a crazy, crazy year. Everybody experiencing so many different challenges. And um, I hope as we enter this fall that this podcast is going to bring some hope, inspiration and motivation. So thank you guys for tuning in. Today, I have a special, special guest, my friend Ben Paisley. He's up in the house. He's ready to tear it up, rocking his nice pink shirt. (laughs) So thank you guys for joining us. And the music is by Martin Toe. Martin is an amazing artist, a good friend of mine. He's been on the podcast before. So check him out on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. All right. What's up, Ben? How you doing, man? Amazing, man. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm so excited to have you, man, on this podcast with me. You kick, you're kicking off my podcast for the fall, man. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. No problem. Have you, have you ever done a podcast before? Never. Wow. So this, this is new. Very, very new. Holy crap. So I'll make sure that, you know, I don't ask the hard questions. I'm, oh, no, you can ask the hard questions. I'm question. pretty much lying when I say that. <laughs> I am going to ask the hard question. Um, I always have, like, a, a really interesting opening. Um, I know that, like, you do a lot of dancing. I see a lot of your dance videos through TikTok. Um, so I'm curious, like, if you are at a wedding and the music is playing mm-hmm. and you got a go-to, like your go-to move, like your track, your favorite song is playing, what would your go-to move go be? My go-to move go would probably be any of the Michael Jackson dances. Okay, okay. But oh, yeah. but which one? I mean, Michael has a lot of different, you know what I mean, different styles. and live. So like, is it the moonwalk? Is it the Preferably. kick? The shimon? Like, what, what is it? Preferably, it's the moonwalk. Okay, okay. the moonwalk. That is you not... that out, you kill it. Got you. That's not that's not a bad choice, man. That's not a bad choice at all. Um, yeah, you, the fact that you brought up Michael, I mean, for a lot of dancers and people that love music, Michael's been such a big inspiration for so many people. I'm just curious, like, wh- when did you discover him? I'm not sure the age, but I remember listening, my mom listening to all of his music. I remember watching it on MTV and like his dances and just the way he controlled the crowd and had women fainting over him, crying and everything was like really crazy. But um, I didn't watch, I don't remember like too, too much of him, but the person that I think personifies him, who kind of embodies him now is C. Breezy. And that's Chris Brown. Guy. Yes, sir. That's my yeah. guy. Like, oh, he's like Michael Jackson incarnated. Like that, that's where I learned a lot of my dance moves from Chris Brown. Oh, got you. Yeah. So like Run It, Run It was oh, like. Oh, that's it. That's the one. <laughs> that's that's the one. wild. That's the one. I think I was like 13, 14, 15 when that came out. And that was it. And we were in high school too. So you had to come up with the first moves. Right, right. Yep. And when you heard it first, was it like through like an MP3 player or was it like a CD or was it through the radio? Like when, how, how did you hear Run It? Like where did you hear it first? The first time I heard it was on MTV, I believe. Okay, okay. Uh, so it was on TV. So it was on cable back then. Wow, that's crazy. I actually remember like a good friend of mine, Josh, we used to dance together and we were doing this like community outreach um, program and he was like, hey, have you heard of this art- artist named Chris Brown? I was like... No, I've never. He's like, there's this song called Run It. Like, it's like really good. And he's like, he's an amazing dancer. And then um, I think he played it to me. I was like, all right. Like, I, and then I, after the program was done that summer, I got back home and I watched, I watched the video. I was like, whoa, who's this yeah. dude? I was like, this is, this is awesome. This is fresh. Cause up to that point, like, I was following like B2K and Usher, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. like, Chris Brown just came out of nowhere and his style, like, his style felt so raw. 
like so raw to me where I was like, man, this dude can dance. And then he's been, you know what I mean? He's he for the last like 15 years, yeah, he's right. just been killing Ever it. Since then. Ever since then, he's been killing it. That's what's up, man. Thank thank you for sharing that. Um, of course, Ben. I'm, I'm I'm super pumped that you're here today. I know that uh, we've connected within the last actually within the last year. That's how we've gotten to know each other, and um, you're you're involved with um, with a lot of different things. But it, I, I'm I'm just curious to know, like, first of all, like I think my listener wants to hear a little bit about who you are, and then we can get into other questions. But I think. My goal for this interview to just get a piece of like who you are, right? Like I feel like it's so important, especially nowadays where the rest of the world is becoming more interested to learn more about the black experience than along like a black male experience. Because a lot of times like the black male are the ones that end up getting um, marginalized because especially in the opposite side with a lot of the negativity that are sometimes associated with how people kind of define us. So I'm curious as a black male, um, you know, I want, I want to hear a little bit about your journey and what got you to move to New Hampshire out of any other place. And then uh, we can talk about other things, but yeah, I would love to get a little bit of background of who you are and how'd you end up, um, where you are and what you're doing now. Of course, of course. So, um, my name is Benjamin Paisley, of course. Um, 30 years old. I'm a husband to my amazing wife, Whitney Paisley, and a father to my son, Milo Paisley. He's two and a half. Um, what kind of got me on my path to New Hampshire is, unfortunately, a lot of death happened to me at a young age. I lost my dad when I was five. I lost my mom when I was 15, my granddad when I was 17, and my grandma when I was 19. Uh, so I went through a lot of personal struggles that I didn't know of a lot until I got a lot older. But I clashed with my family a lot, especially my brother. And he's the one who took me in after my uh, family died. Well, actually, my grandma first, my mm-hmm. grandma. Um, she took me in right after my mom passed. She tried her best to raise my sister and I. So two little teenagers uh, going through puberty and the experience of losing their mom. And she tried her best, too. But I was always the class clown. I was always causing trouble. I was never dumb. I just wanted that attention. And I, after I got older, I felt I know why I wanted that attention, because I didn't have a mom or a dad to give me that attention, so I was getting it from other people in the wrong way. So going through that through high school, always getting kicked out, always getting detention classes, doing the worst stuff possible to get noticed. So high school wasn't, I mean, middle school, over that time it was middle school. So when I got to high school, my brother took me in, and we moved to Birmingham, Alabama, and that's where I went to Spain Park High School. And then I kind of started feeling myself a little bit more because I was in a bigger school. So I was being looked at in a lot more eyes. So I felt a little bit more pressure. And then I started doing sports and everything like that. And I started getting more popular in school. What, the, what, what kind of sports did you play growing up? I played all the sports. I played a little bit of soccer. I dabbled in baseball. I ran track. I played basketball. did football a little bit. So any sport you can think of. Cause it kept so me so you were house. really involved? Oh, yeah, because it kept me out of the house. I didn't like being in the house with my brother. So anything I can do to get out, I was doing. And then I really started excelling at basketball and track. And that's where I found out that track and running and physical fitness was like me, who I was as a person. So I started excelling in that. We started breaking records as a, uh, as a team in my year or my school for that year. So that went really well, did that, and then graduation came. So my sister was having her firstborn, Hayden, which is my first nephew, and she was like, it's 
well, I'm having my nephew and I need help. So if you can graduate, if you graduate high school, I'll fly you up here and you can live up here with me and you can help take care of your nephew. And I was like, bet. So the, literally the day after I graduated, I was up here. Wow. So your sister was already living in New Hampshire and you, you just graduated. Your sister gave you the opportunity to say, hey, if you want to come up here, come through. And, and what made you like, why was that like the best option for you, for you to be like, all right, I'm going to pack everything up. I just graduated. I'm going to move to New Hampshire with my sister. The kind of the thing I was talking about with my brother, I was so fed up and wanting to be out. And it was so much stuff going on in Alabama that I didn't want a part of anymore that I was ready. I was so ready. I didn't have to pack up anything, actually. It was like, I'm, I'm here. So you were, it sounds like you were looking for that, like that fresh start. Like you were, you were, you were looking for that new journey, a yeah. new opportunity. And your sister was able to offer you something where you felt like that it, could have been, it could have been that. Yeah, I, I don't think I was looking for it at the time. It just kind of happened. I was just so ready to get out. I wasn't focused on the next journey. I was just so focused on getting out. You know what I mean? And then my sister, of course, had her son. And then it was history ever since. That's my like, little man. I love him. And um, I helped raise him his first year of his life. I experienced a lot of new things up here. And it was where I wanted, I haven't left. So it's obviously wow, a good wow. And, and how long has it been total since, since you moved to New Hampshire? 10 or 11 years. So I moved in 2009, 2019. So I think what, 11 years. 2009. So you're, so you're, you're grounded now. You're oh, grounded yeah. here. I'm a native now. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's up, man. That's, that's awesome. Wow. What a, what a journey. There's so many different moving parts. Um, you know, you, you talk about kind of the, the, the situations that played out within your life of you losing your mom, losing your dad, moving with your grandma, losing your grandma. Did you lose? You lost your grandma as well, right? My granddad. In granddad, and then living with your brother, but in the midst of that, you you moved into a school where um, you found opportunity to get more involved, and that became like the outlet for you. Exactly. And then track and basketball was kind of like the the thing that you that you held on to. And then you graduate. Your sister gives you an opportunity to say, "Hey, you can come up in New Hampshire and live with me," and you you jump on that. I'm just curious throughout. When everything was playing out, you know, of you losing the people that you love and the people you care for, like, where was your mind? Like, I'm curious to know, like, you know, were you present in in how everything was playing out and how was it was impacting you, or did you kind of? I'm just curious. Like, did you push it away and like, and just had kept moving? I'm because I I hear this a lot when different people deal with you know hard time. You know, you know, traumatic experiences in their life differently, right? Some people mm-hmm. are able to deal with it and face it and be reflectful of it. And some people are just able to like push it aside and just figure out whatever that they need to do to move on. And then maybe later on in life, it comes back to hunt them. So I'm just curious, like as you were going through those, you know, challenging time, how, how did you deal with all that, all that that was playing out? So the, um, the death of my mom, it was surreal. Like the first couple of days I didn't, you don't really know what death is until I think a couple of days after when you realize they're not coming back or your norm is shifted now. So my mom had a huge impact on me. Like it, I think it broke me as a kid, but I didn't and realize it at the time it was breaking me or what I was going through at the moment. Cause it was kind of like what you were saying. I internalized it and it like, I pushed it deep down. And I think that's the root of a lot of my emotional problems now as an older person or a, an old man, I should say. I'm not old though, but yeah, older man. You're 30, man. 30, Some people yeah. might say you're young. So nah, I'm still young. Take I'm it, mentally take young. Mentally <laughs> young. Uh, but it created a lot of emotional problems for me uh, later on in life. But I, I suppressed it. I kept it bottled up. And it was like a reservoir 
reservoir of like dark energy, that the best I can describe it, because I would feed off of it. When I couldn't do something, I would feed off of it and be like, why can't I do this? And then I would go to like a dark place and then I don't know why, but it would like fuel me to do whatever I needed to do. That hurt, that pain, that why me kind of fueled me to do the things that I didn't even think I could or nobody else thought I could get could do. So it fuels you to do things that 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 you felt like you needed that little extra umph. Exactly. I'm just curious, like did it fuel did it also fuel negative things? As much as it did fuel positive things, I'm just curious. Big time. Because I was, I was, I don't like to say it, but I was, I was a lot more negative when I was younger. And not negative, I just didn't care. I was always me. I was still a positive, kind person I am today, but I just didn't care. Like, I could care less about anything back then. Because I guess the, the link between me caring and having that loving, compassionate for everybody was gone with my mom. But then fast forward to when my grandma and granddad passed, it started lessening. Like, I saw death differently. I wasn't hurt. I wasn't, like, distraught. It just was, which isn't great, which isn't a good thing because that's supposed to be, are you supposed to feel something every single time? At least I feel like it. But the more and more it kept happening, the more and more I was like, this is my life. This is, maybe this is just who I am. Maybe, and at one point I even thought I attracted death Mm. because when I was younger and my mom passed, I thought it was my fault. And I kept saying it was my fault, it was my fault. And then when my granddad or grandma, I'm not sure which one, my granddad passed, I was like, okay, so this must be true. Like, you know what I mean? So I kind of stepped, but I never, it never like kept me down to where I went into a dark place permanently. You know what I mean? I always tried to do bigger, better things, positive, do the right thing, everything like that. It just was a weird bit of energy that I kept to myself and I always like pulled from. It sounds like you, you normalized it. Yes. Yes. The, 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 the negative stuff that was that happened within your life during that season and it happened frequently from what you're explaining, you ended up normalizing it and then you became like you became it sounds like you became numb to it. Very numb. And I'm still numb to certain aspects of life because I see that with my wife. Like when something happens or something drastic happens, it doesn't bother me like it bothers everybody else because I've experienced it firsthand multiple times. And I'm not sure if that made me uh a stronger person or a better person it just made me a little different in the way I see things. But it's de- I definitely normalized it and I definitely have changed because of it. I'm curious to know during that time, right, as you're experiencing all this like really hardship that's playing out with in, within your life, if you can recall some positive stuff that happened or at least positive energy that... I, allowed you to stay grounded. I'm curious to know, like, were there any thing during that time where it was contrary to the, the negative feelings and emotion that was happening? Not that I can remember. All I remember is, like, and that's what's so bad about it now, because I, like, talked to my youngest sister not too long ago, and I kept telling her, like, her, her name's Taylor, but I would call her Tay, so I was like, Tay, I don't remember anything. Like, all I remember is, like, bad stuff and, like, me being grounded or this being happening, all, like, negative stuff. She's like, you don't remember this, which was positive. And you remember this and this and this, that was positive. I'm like, no. Like everything growing up, I pushed out. And I have a really bad memory with that. Like anything in my past, I can hardly remember. Right. Unless I choose to, unless I chose back then to make it a memory. Mm-hmm. But anything else I can't remember because I've pushed everything out and I've suppressed a lot of stuff. That isn't good, right. especially where I am now because I wish I had those memories, but I don't remember anything. So, so how did you operate? I'm just curious. Like on your, on your, 
on your daily basis, right? Let's say, I know it's hard to kind of recall 10 years ago, 12 years ago, um, but how did you like operate? I'm curious to know, like if you're, you know, let's say like a, a day that you had school and you had practice after, right? Like, mm-hmm. like what, what got you up? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like if you, if you all this emotions and all these feelings and are impacting you negatively, but it still sounds like you still had momentum. Like you, oh, yeah. you were still waking up in the morning. You were still, I hope, brushing your teeth and taking a shower. Almost oh, definitely. And then going about to do whatever else that you needed to do. So like, how did you end up doing stuff? Like what drove you to do stuff? Being the best at whatever I did. And it was at that time it was sports. So it was being the best at track. Being the best at football, how so, so be you faster? were still very, so you were still very competitive, or even motivated. Even I've always been, always, and then I think that was just a bigger push to be the best. To be like, I didn't need anybody. Like I got this on my own. I did it on my own. Like I'm, I'm the best, and you, I'm going to show you I'm the best, and you're going to know me for being the best. And it's always pushed me uh, from day one. And how I operated is honestly and truly, I didn't care about anybody else but me. And it was bad because I, I literally did not care. Like, you could one day be looking at my face, would be happy, would be cool, and then you say something wrong to me and you're gone. Like, I don't know who you are. I give you the cold shoulder. Um, we don't talk. I don't acknowledge you. It's just, it was something that I developed as a defense mechanism to not let people get close because I felt like if you got too close, I would lose you in a way. So that was my self-defense mechanism. But it sounds like there's certain things around how you contextualized or took ownership of what was playing out that actually benefited you to a certain extent in terms of the drive, right? Like what it drove you, even though the mindset might have not been the best mindset to have, it still allowed you to accomplish stuff. Yeah. But you, as you're reflecting on it, it sounds like you didn't like that version of you in how you perceived the world around you. But from the external, so like a good example would be like if you if you were killing it with your basketball team or your track team, the people that didn't know what was happening internally might have celebrated the hustle and the grind that you made it happen. But where for you, that energy that was driving it was it might have not been the best energy. It might have not been the energy that was giving you life because you had this careless mindset where it's like, I'm going to do me and I'm whatever happens, whatever happens. Exactly. But that drive allowed you to accomplish stuff. Exactly. So I, I'm curious to know, like, how, how do you dissect that? Like, I, I feel like that's the piece where people always want to put things in the box, right? Like, like positive vibe, positive energy leads to forward momentum. And, but the reality is sometimes negative energy, like, influences what we do, quote unquote, externally that others might see that as high achievement or, you know, like that person's so good at this, whatever. But where you know deep inside your heart, it's like, it's the carelessness that's allowing me to just get busy. Exactly. And part of me getting busy is what's contributing to the results of what you guys are admiring me about. But it's not even something that I personally even want. Exactly. So like... I'm just curious, like, how, like if you can reflect on that now, like, like how, what is what what is even that? Like, how do you even feel about it? Like, reflecting about it now, I feel like that had to happen to get me to where I am now. Like, I look at it now as in like, if nothing would have happened, 
I would have still been in Alabama. I probably wouldn't have had the greatest of educations because there's nothing where I was where I grew up, Verbena. There wasn't too much to do. It was a very, 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 very small town, like very small. So there wasn't too much to do. I probably would have been in trouble at some point because I was acting out already. So I probably would have gotten even more trouble. Um, so I reflect on it as it had to happen for me to get to where I am now. I'm not saying I would rather want it to happen that way. Like I wish I could have kept at least my mom or my grandma or somebody like that through the rest of my time. Because looking back now, I have like, besides my wife, of course, I have nobody to just like family-wise to just talk to. Like my mom or somebody that's been living a lot longer than me that I can go talk to and be like, mom, I'm not feeling this. Or they did this and this and this. How do I handle it? Like it's all me. I reconcile with me. So it's, it's a little tough, but like I said, I feel like the way I reconcile is it had to happen for it to happen. I know my mom's in a better place. I know my family's in a better place. And they're all helping me on my journey now to get to where I am now or where I want to go in life. And that's how I reconcile it's that things had to happen for me to be where I am today. I, I just want to say thank you so much for being um, honest and vulnerable throughout that reflection. And, and for, for me, like I, I feel like that's what connects us as humans, like beyond like what race we are, ethnicity or skin color or socioeconomics. Like there's certain stuff that happens internally that impacts us. The experiences might be different, but the, the energy that's happening, that's driving how we see the world and what like all those stuff happens, right? Like the feeling of sad or, or happiness or anxious or or, you know, depressed, or all those different emotions that we feel, we all feel that, right? The oh, external yeah. thing that influences it might be different, but we all feel that. So that's why for me, in a lot of the work that I do, even through this podcast, is to, to engage at that level, hoping that when other people hear other people's story, one, they get a different perspective, two, they can also relate. It might not, it might not have been the same experience that they went through, but the connection around the emotion and the feeling is similar and for them to get a little bit of hope from me. So I just want to say thank you so much for sharing that and being so, so open and vulnerable. Of course. Um, so let's talk about your transformation, right? And, and, and as part of life, we're always transforming, right? Mm -hmm. You, so you move to New Hampshire, start finding your grounding. Um, what were some of the critical things for you personally, as you started to evolve as a human being, as a person that was critical in contributing to the direction that you took and the direction that you went, which leads to kind of where you are now and, you know, with being a, a manager, a general manager of a, of a really awesome bookstore here. We're going to talk about that as well. But I'm just curious, like, what were some of the things, if you can recall, that were critical in pushing you and evolving you, moving you forward? Uh, there was really only one, and it was my wife. Mm. Uh, meeting her because I was still doing a lot of the things I was doing when I came to New Hampshire, like still uh, partying, going out with friends, doing stuff I probably shouldn't be doing. Um, and I still had that ego, that really, really big ego, like I'm still the best. You can't, you're not better than me. I'm smarter than you. Like I was, I always had to be the biggest person in the room, ego wise. Uh, so I met her and she slapped it out of me. Real quick, and I've never, and like I'll never forget, like when I saw her. Was it was it like a bow, Not or a, was it like a, <laughs> I'm just I'm just no, curious. It was the second one, it was definitely the second. Oh, one. definitely, and it wasn't physical. The combo, you got the combo, the two piece and the biscuit. Ooh, but it was, uh, hoo, hoo, hoo. it was, uh, it was, it was, it was a struggle because I never had somebody challenge me like that mm. on that type of level before, 
and she kept doing it. I don't know. She just she had a a stronger. I won't say faith, but she had a stronger of sense of knowing who she was and what she wasn't going to allow and what she wanted to see from me, and that either I had to come up to that level or she would leave me. What allowed you to be receptive of that from her? Because it sounds like based on how you described yourself, like if it was any other person, you would have been like, no, forget you, because you already had that careless mindset. So what allowed you to be like, well, hold up, I got to value what she's saying. Like, I'm curious, like what, what allowed you to be more receptive of that? I think it was love. Like, I, mm. like when I was younger, the, like when, so we'll go back to when I had lost my mom and my granddad. I constantly prayed that I would find somebody to love me for me, like over and over, like every day. That was like the one thing I wanted because I felt like I never had that in life. So I always prayed, I want to find someone who loves me for me, like me as a person. And when I saw her and I'm like, you know, love at first sight. People say that really happened with her. Like I was immediately attracted to her. I, fell in love with her, and what kept me staying is that she loved me for me. She could see that I was doing all this stuff. She still loved me. I was like, you you still, like, want to be with me, even though you know I, like, because, like, she would experience my attitude. I'd yell at her. We'd argue a couple times, or I'd do stuff I wasn't supposed to do at a young age, and she would still want to be with me. And I was like, okay, so if she's constantly dealing with my attitude, my imperfections, why can't I come meet her to where she wants me to meet her? There has to be some give and take, so let me give a little bit to see where this takes me. And it was just a constant giving, taking, giving, taking till we're here where we are now. That's incredible, man. I, this, this is not even a Valentine's Day podcast. And my dude here, <laughs> my dude here is, dry, is driving those gyms. So, but I, I say that because, excuse me, you, 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 you were able to identify that right away. You, when I asked you, you went for it. You said it was love because love is what you were searching and you were yearning for. And you were able to find someone that was able to to give you that, and that you saw the authenticity of it, and that allowed you to say, you know what, she's different. If I'm gonna meet her, then I have to start shifting. So at that point, it's like all of a sudden, it's not about you anymore. Not at all. That's wild. And then it was her. Then how do I take care of her? How do I best show her how I can come up or be what she wants me to do? Like you know what I mean? I show her my progression, and then be happy for that. And then ever since then, it's been. Um, more of her than me. How, how did you trust the process knowing if you were going to be vulnerable in letting someone in, letting her in specifically, mm-hmm. that you were going to be okay? Like what made you like feel like it, like the being vulnerable and being receptive of having to shift and having to change your approach, that things was going to be okay? I didn't know things were going to be okay. But in the whole vulnerable Vulnerable, that word. Vulnerability. Uh, yes, that. <laughs> <laughs> you got this. You got. Uh, I got plenty of words that I can't say. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. But that being that was never, um, I would say, foreign to me. It just was hidden. I put it away so people couldn't see it. I had to show that tough exterior because um, I felt like that was the best way people would understand who I was if I if I was quote unquote hard all the time or I was tough or I had this ego that showed that I'm better than you. She was able to bring that vulnerability back out and make me feel more comfortable showing it and having it. And I didn't think, I didn't know everything was going to be okay. It was just that I knew I was in love and I know she had my back and I had her back and whatever I did, we were going to be in a good position. That's incredible. Have, have you seen that manifest in other relationships that you've had since you and you, you allowing yourself to, to go there with your wife in terms of 
you know, relationships that you get to design with other folks that you that you know or you meet for you to be like, oh, you know what? Like, obviously, the relationship is different, but for you to be like, oh, I can trust this person or, I, you know, I, I can listen to this or I can. I'm curious to know if that has translated in other relationships that you've developed over over the years. It's just now developing, like I would say this year, mm-hmm. because the kind of person I am is I'm, I'm 100 percent to anybody I meet. I give it off the bat, and if I don't receive it, I take it as in you're not being 100 with me when I didn't give you a reason not to be. You know what I mean? So I kind of, not cut you off, but I stopped trusting you with a lot of me. It's just now face value. Like, I'll say hi. I'll say, oh, what's up? How you doing? And everything like that. I'll be cordial, but I won't go deeper. I won't invest because you showed me I don't need to invest. And I understand that's not the right way to treat people, and I get it, but if I'm giving you 100% of me all the time, yeah, I falter and I slip, but I'm still going to give you the best of me at all times. I'm not going to be like, um, let's just say, for instance, you want to hang out. Uh, you want to go out and get some beers tonight. Yeah, 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 cool. And then at, right at the last minute, you bail on me, which is cool. But then I find out you're already out, but you're with somebody else and you just want to hang out with me. Like, you could have told me that. Like, I'm not going to treat you any different. But once I find out stuff like that that you do to me, then I start lessening how much I give to you. But I have met people. Uh, Kenny from Hot Knot is one one of the people who I'm starting to trust more, and he's like super cool, always has my best interest, has an amazing energy, at least when I'm with him, and I can see all the time he has it. He's just an amazing person. So I'm starting to let go of holding people on such high of a pedestal and being like, they're just people. Let me rock with the best of them, and they rock with the best of me, and hopefully something comes out of it. That's what's up. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, 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 and just, you know, just for my listener to know, like, we always going to always have our guards up, right, at, at certain times. And it just depends on, you know, our, our, the expectation, right? If the expectation are realistic towards the relationship, then there's less things that are going to let you down for you to, you know, cave back in. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that. So let's talk about you. you I've been seeing all the amazing work that you've been doing with the bookery where um, if you're not familiar with the bookery, my listener, this is a bookstore downtown in Manchester, New Hampshire, where I reside. And, um, and Ben's been, and he's been leading, leading the bookery and he's, you've been there for, um, was it like a year and a half now? Almost oh, just about a year. Just, Oh my God, just a year. Yeah. And um, you, you have done so many different things that I've seen within the last year since you've gotten there that that makes that place feel more organic and it, it gives it kind of highlights the energy of the staffs and everybody else. And I'm just curious, like, how, like what made you like feel comfortable in allowing a piece of you to permeate throughout that facility and, 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 and throughout that, that bookstore, because, you know, we're all remote now and, you know, I see your TikTok stuff. I see your Instagram, your Facebook stuff. Like, I'm just curious, like, and you can give us a little bit of like, how did you even end up at the bookery? I know my listeners would be interested to know, like, how, how'd you ended up there? Uh, so, um, it was on a whim, actually. I was working at a company in Chelmsford, Mass, Zoll Medical, just in a desk behind a cubicle, punching away at numbers and, um, I think I had reached my potential there of being the best at that job. And I was, I believe, the third year in, I was like, I'm just wasting away. Like, there's nothing here for me at this point. So I took a leap of faith and I saw an ad on Indeed of this pizza place who was Jack's Pizza in Pittsfield, New Hampshire. They were um, 
offering this amazing culture that I've never heard of in a workplace. And since I've worked for corporations most of my life, it was so different. Like, um, that you could have fun. You could still work while having fun. You could still be who you are. You could have, like, a little bit more freedom while still getting work done. So I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to be able to show people that you can be you still. You can do whatever you want to do, have fun, and still get work done. You don't have to be trapped in the confines of a building or a corporation and do that specific job nine to five over and over and over again and not have any like feeling from it. You can do what you want to do and still be successful. So I went there. It turned out that a lot of things weren't set up to where what they were espousing were what they were enacting. So it was a lot of growth. I wouldn't say in the best way, but I still learned from it. Mm. Uh, and then going through that, I was on Indeed again because I knew that was not going to work out anymore. Um, and I went, I saw the bookery and I was like, oh, babe, this would be so cool if I could work here. It sounds like an amazing place. And she was like, you should apply. I'm like, they would never hire me. Like they don't, I'm not a bookery type person. Like, you know what I mean? And then, uh, what does that mean though? I'm curious when you say you're not a bookery type of person, just, we don't have to stay there long, but I'm just curious. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I didn't think I was like, honestly, just to be honest, I didn't think I was smart enough to run a bookery. I didn't think I was well educated. I didn't think I was intellectual. I didn't think I could tell anybody or give anybody opinions on what book to read or how to better themselves, anything. Like, I didn't think I fit that mold, if you will. Got you. So okay. um, it was on a whim. We did it for fun. And lo and behold, they reached back out to me, and they asked me to answer more questions to, like, kind of delve deeper into who I was as a person. And then I was like, hey, hey, they reached back. And then she was like, nah, uh And I was like, yeah. Like, what should I do? Because I was, like, so taken away. So right. I took him back. You're I was surprised. like, I didn't know what to do. So... Uh, I think I took a day off of work just so I could focus on the questions they were asking me and answer them to the best of my ability because I saw this as a huge opportunity for me because I've never had something like this before. So I took a day off. I took all the energy and all the time I needed to answer these questions. Submit them. They don't get back to me right away. So I'm like freaking out. And then I was like, okay, that's what I thought. I I knew I wasn't going to make it. And then I think a week later, they reached back out to me and said, can you come down? And then... We went, we did the interview, and I, they didn't accept me. They were like, oh, we found somebody who fits our, uh, I guess, our mold a little bit better than you. So I was like, okay, I understand. Thank you for the opportunity and everything like that. And then I left. I kept working. I found some odd in jobs to make money, to make ends meet. And then I think a week or two later, they messaged me back saying, are you still available for the job? And I'm like, yeah, of course. So I go back. They hired me, and they say, the reason we went with you is because of your Facebook. Oh, wow. We saw that you have the energy we want. We saw like your family. And then they realized that on their, I think their birthday, their year anniversary, I was there. And me and Liz cut the cake for their year anniversary. Oh, so you, you, just, you just happened to be in the same space. Yeah. And then how did you end up hopping on cutting the cake if you were just a customer? I'm just My curious. My wife. It's just, and who I am as a person. Just I your was, energy. You're like, oh, cake, exactly. everybody. Hey, then, let's go. And she was helping out like with cake. And I was like, oh, I can help. You know what I mean? I just jumped in because it was like, she needed a little bit of help. So I helped like really cut the cake or pass them out slices and everything like that. And then I think there was a picture taken with me and Liz or me and Liz Cipriano that were there. And then they saw that. That's crazy. So it was. It was really crazy. And then after that, it was pretty much history at that point. That's crazy. That is wild how things like that happen. You know what I mean? It's like, that's incredible. So then you join and, um, you know, it's it's this thing that's in a community where a lot of people go to. And how did you find like your own grounding within the space in order for you to be be you? Because a lot of the content that you push out 
within the space, like people are seeing your personality and people are seeing you and, and there's an alignment between, you know, what the bookery is and the representation of who represents the bookery. So I'm, I'm just curious from you, when did you feel comfortable to just start putting yourself out there within that space? It was definitely when the beginning of COVID. So I'll say earlier this year when we went down the first time when we were full lockdown, quarantine, everything like that, we were, I was so like upset that people were going through this time. Everybody was down. You could even feel the energy when you walked outside. Like it was just different. People were down. They didn't know what was going to happen. People were losing their jobs. People were getting laid off. So I was like, I got to find something to connect with people. Like how can I connect with someone on a different level that can make them smile? And like you see my staff now, we're always laughing and having a good time inside. So I was like, how do I translate this into video form or some type of media so people can laugh? And then my lead barista, uh, Eliza, she's like 19. She's a super bubbly little, uh, I won't say little, she's this young woman. And she's back there bubbly, super fun and energy. And she's always like moving in, in front of her phone. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why are you moving so much? She was like, TikTok. And I was like, what is that? And she was like, you just dance on here and you have fun. And I was like... All right, let me see. So she, so a couple days go by. So we're she put you on big time. So we we're watching, <laughs> we we're watching it, and I'm like, "What is this? This is like," and we're dying laughing. Every everything we watch, we're like dying laughing. So I was like, "Let's make one." She was like, "No, I don't want that." I was like, "No, let's make one." She was like, "What are that?" I was like, "No, come on, let's do it." You always dance, and let's just do one. And um, we try one, and it was, "Baby girl, give me something." Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. then uh, and my history of dancing and being and having all this rhythm, I was like, "This is gonna be easy. Like I can do this." So we do it, post it on uh, Instagram and Facebook, and people love it. They're laughing. That's they're awesome. Commenting like this made my day, and I was like, "That's it. This is how we're gonna connect with people." And I didn't know it at the time because the next week we didn't do it, and people were like, "What happened? Where's the TikTok? Where's the dances? Where's all this?" And they're like, "Okay." So we do it again, and then we coined it uh, TikTok Tuesday, where we do it every single Tuesday, and it was essentially just meant to make people smile and laugh. And that's where I kind of got it from. And ever since then, it was like, okay, if I can do that with TikTok, maybe I can change the way the vibe is in the store. Mm. And my, my whole mission when I went to the bookery was to turn it into that vibe, that fun vibe, that all-inclusive vibe to where you don't care who you are, what you look like, what you believe in, you're welcome here and we're going to have fun. Um, that kind of gave me more, I, say, well, I would say a means to do that more, to see that, oh, this works, so let me try something else. And then two, Liz... Hitchcock, the owner of uh, the bookery, letting me experiment with my own. Of course, she makes sure it doesn't go to a certain level, like it's too far out or it's not enough. She always keeps me within certain, I wouldn't say confines, but certain limitations of... Perimeters. Exactly. That's a better word. That's a better word. Perimeters. (laughs) Uh, Better perimeters of what to expect and what I can do because there's still a bar that we have to make of being the bookery. So she let me... Bouncing between those perimeters, and it turns out that I was able to do a lot of my own things. And she liked it. I liked it. It was working, so I just kept going. That's really cool. So that's really awesome. Thank you so much. And, and, and I see the comments that people comment underneath anytime you guys post, uh, especially through Facebook. It's really – that's awesome, man. I'm so glad that you've been able to, to, to um, find a connection between who you are, what embodies you, and how it flows through um, the work that you're doing with the bookery. Um, I do have to mention, I, I remember the first time I met you at the bookery. Um, so I walked in and I saw you walking, working in the back. And, um, and I was talking to Amy. Mm-hmm. And I don't, know, I don't know if you even heard me. I was oh, like, 
I was like, they hired a brother? Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> I was there. Yeah, I remember that. You know what I mean? So to me, I was like, <laughs> I was I was happy. I was happy to see that there was a brother working here. Like, mm-hmm. but I think um I don't know. I I usually don't filter myself when I I I, I feel a type of way on something. Like I, I wanted to acknowledge that the fact yeah, that yeah, there's there's a brother here. Like up to that point, you and I have never met. Like I just walked in and I saw it and and I wanted to acknowledge that because it it's needed. It's needed. It's not a sick and, and it's not to hire someone because you're tokenizing them or because you want to check the box. I just felt that it was good to see you in there. You know, I saw the locks. I just I just saw your energy, how you're moving around. Cause I'm I'm like I, I'm very people oriented. Like I I just I just I'm very observant and I and I, I saw that you like it was probably what, like a, maybe you were probably in there, maybe like a month and a half or so, maybe, yeah. maybe even a month. Maybe, yeah. But I just, I was just seeing how you're moving. I was like, all right, this dude is new here, but like he, so I wanted to acknowledge it, and I ended up acknowledging it like verbally. I was like, Amy, they had a brother, and she's like, we're trying, we're trying. I was like, <laughs> like good, good, good. And then we, not too long after that, we ended up connecting. Of course. But I'm, I'm just, I'm just curious, like. Your story, we probably could have been talking forever. Your story, there's so many moving parts in your story, Ben. Just like everybody else, right? Everybody has so many different moving parts of what has influenced them, the commission that they've had. Mm-hmm. Where do you hope to go? Like when you think about like you are a husband, you are a father, you know, to an awesome son. What's your hope as you think about your forward momentum? Just just as a whole, not even from a career-wise, just as a human being, as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where do you hope to to be? Where do you where, where are like you going? In the next five years, or like yeah, in general? just in general, where are you going, Ben? I hope to be so free one day that I can do whatever I want to, like, and with my family, of course. But I'm when I mean free, I mean like from the confines of stress and money and um, worrying about where this meal is going to come from, where how we're going to pay this bill. So where I'm going to answer your question more specifically is to create wealth, to create some type of wealth for me and my family. That where if I untimely pass before my time or before I'm ready, that they have everything they need set up and then that they can live their life as free as possible without any confines on them. And hopefully we can give that down to our generations and the rest of my family. Because as I'm getting older and like things are happening in the world, that means the most to me. My family, the people who are immediately close to me, and then once we're set, then permeating out to anyone else who wants to be a part of that because I think that's what's needed. I think we all need to come together and have long, like make your lineage or your generation, whoever's around you happy, wealthy, so they don't have to worry about anything anymore. Like life is life. We only get, we don't, well, typically we live life every single day and we die once, but why not live it to the fullest every day and be as free as you possibly can be and do what you love to do. Like, me is creating, is making the TikToks, is creating, showing you um, a piece of me. Do, and, 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 and everyone else, sorry, that's something different in everyone else. So why not have them do what they do best every single day without having to worry about everything else in the, in the background? So that's, my, that's where I'm going ultimately is I want to complete that, is to be free and create as much wealth and as much freedom for my family and my generation as possible. That's awesome. And then uh, I always ask every single one of my interviewers, um, you know, the podcast is about perseverance to excel. 
So you persevere through the challenges or you just persevere through a season or whatever it is in order for you to excel forward. If my list, some of my listeners who have to make hard decision regarding what their next move is going to be or are dealing are going through a really tough uh, season right now, like what would your encouragement be to them? Encouragement would be, at least from what I've learned in my situation and what's kind of helped me is to try your hardest to take out all emotion from your decision. I understand like that may be hard to do and it's kind of like vague a little bit, but if you can go off of intent and purpose as opposed to emotion and ego, I think you'll go to a better place and you have more of a solid grounding of where you want to go because I, I think emotions can be fickle. I think your emotions can make you not do something because you may be too afraid or too nervous or you may be experiencing anxiety so you can't do it. But if you try your hardest to take all that away and think from a logical standpoint and be like, does this better me in any way? Is this the best option? Does this make me, for this example, the most money or make me more happier? Then do it. And always knowing that you have to get back up. You know what I mean? You can't stay down forever. Or you can't be experiencing it forever. You only go through it for a moment and then you're hopefully back to where you need to be. That it's only temporary. It's only temporary. Well, Ben, thank you so much for... Oh, yeah, real quick. And then what... Uh, Shout out to Will Smith. I, when I found out this quote or when I heard him say this quote, it changed my life. He was like, what did he say? He's like, if you can't get over the fear, do it scared. So don't let the fear hold you back. Even if you're scared, still don't engage in the exactly. process. Still engage in the activity. Yes, sir. Wow. What a way to close, Ben. That's awesome. <laughs> Shout out to Will Smith for that. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much, Ben, for being with us today. H- how can the f- my followers find you? What's your what's your handlers? What's your what's so your what's you, the spot? What's the place? So you can find us on uh, Instagram at BookeryMHT. Uh, definitely go follow us there. You can follow us on TikTok if you have it at BookeryMHT1. We're on Facebook as Bookery Manchester. Go follow us there, and um, you can come down during these times. If, at least if you're in uh, New Hampshire, to the Bookeries on eight four four Elm Street. Um, and yeah, come hang out. Awesome. Thank you, man.